Well, there are natural disasters, and it's good to be prepared for those. I'm glad that the city of Santa Rosa learned from the last one, and we have all this communication going on, all these alerts, hey, you need to get out of town. Um, really, we've done, we've done a much better job to, to avert this uh, problem from getting worse than it could. Um, and, and I want to look at not natural disasters, but spiritual disasters. So there are natural disasters where the fire can get worse or, you know, the earthquake could be worse or the hurricane could be worse. There's also spiritual disasters where we actually have a personal animated dark enemy that stands against us that would like to make our lives really bad. Um, uh, uh, Last weekend, I was talking to a couple of people who lead a a prayer ministry that happens here uh, every other Saturday, and they're from outside our congregation and they were telling me they had a, a, a man come in who's from Marin, who, uh, and when I think of Marin, this is just my thoughts, I think of money, I think of a little sophistication, you know, that's, that's just what I think. It's one of the most expensive places to live in the country, uh, close to San Francisco. And so this guy comes in from Marin to be prayed for. And, uh, and when he sits down to be prayed for, all of a sudden his eyes roll back in his head and this strange voice comes out and they said things were, you could see things moving underneath his skin. And um, they're kind of used to this because they've dealt with it before, they've encountered it. And as they probed, they, get, they wanted to get to the, the bottom of this, what was going on, why was this happening in this man's life? And Come to find out that his family had been deeply involved in uh, masonry. And they'd been high degree masons. And so there had been agreements that had been made. And I'm not, I've read a book on masonry once, but there's blood covenants that happen and all this stuff that goes on that's dark. And, uh, And so he had that influence in his life. He also had a lot of occultic paraphernalia at home that he was reluctant to get rid of. And was hanging on to that. They've been making some progress with him. They met with him two or three times and getting closer. But, but this man has given darkness access point into his life. And because of that, they're really harassing him. Now, now I, so we're talking about spiritual darkness. And for most of us, that's not our experience. We don't have a lot of possession experiences. But let me ask you some questions to see. If there's been some kind of um, spiritual harassment going on in your life. Okay, think about yourself. Um, Do you have frequent accusatory thoughts about yourself? Things like, you're worthless. You're unwanted. Nobody could ever love you. Sit down and shut up. You have nothing to say. Okay? Accusatory thoughts coming at you. In case you didn't know, the name Satan means accuser. So he does, just like Jesus' name is save, God saves, so God saves. Satan's name is accuser, and that's what Satan does. He accuses day and night, Revelation 12 says, before the throne. He's accusing the saints. He's accusing people. Here's another one. You have unreasonable fears that cripple you from making a move. You ever feel paralyzed from fear? You ever led astray through um, persuasive but faulty arguments that contradict God's word? Hmm? Ever patterns of sin in your family that keep showing up generation after generation? 
Things like alcoholism, adultery, occultic involvement, physical abuse. These things, are there patterns that you've seen? Do you regularly question God's goodness? All right. Now that's an old one. That is, as far as I know, that's the oldest trick in Satan's arsenal. Because you go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, that's exactly what Satan did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say not to eat from He knows if you eat from this, you're going, to be, you're going to be able to know all kinds of things. He was questioning the goodness of the heart of God back in the garden. So that's an old trick. And then also, do you ever have vile, disgusting, profane words or thoughts that pass through your mind and you have a hard time shaking the stuff? And you're like, where'd that come from? You know? So, those are all examples of spiritual attack. Spiritual battle is real. It's everywhere. And it happens to everyone. It just, it just is. And, and people who deny that show that they're under spiritual attack by the fact that they can't even admit in the spiritual darkness. You know, there's a, there's a uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ. I was under that one as a boy growing up in the church. I could not see the glory of God, even growing up in the church. And so I didn't want Jesus in my life. And I think most everybody has experienced that to some degree. We do not see the glory of God. So, what do we need to do since we're in this spiritual battle? Okay, we've got a physical battle going on right now, but we have the spiritual battle also going on. What do we need to do to respond to this? Well, I, I want to give... The one thing I want you to remember today is this. Close the door. Just close the door. Close the door on evil. All right? Um, you know, Halloween gets, uh, gets it partially right. There is darkness. There is darkness. So it's not all make-believe. It's not all fantasy when we dress up our, people dress up their houses and we go and wear scary costumes and we kind of play, dabble in the darkness a little bit. Yeah, it's real. Hollywood also loves to get into it. They've got their movies that they come out with. I mean, people are fascinated with horror movies. And they have it partly right too. It's true, it does happen. But here's the thing, they don't get it all right. And and so they don't get the anecdote to evil right. And they really don't understand fully more how Satan works. The kinds of things that give him access into our lives. So I want us to dive into this today, into God's word. And I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, let's, I was thinking about the New Testament. Okay, the Old Testament, the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, going all the way to the book of Revelation. 27 books in the New Testament. And I was thinking, you know what? As I was doing this little exercise, every author in the New Testament mentions evil and, and the devil. Every one of them. So Jesus, of course, he's all through it. He addressed it regularly. He said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So that's Jesus talking. That's John 8, verse 44. Then Paul wrote about it. Probably the most, um, most expansive commentary on evil in the New Testament is Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, where it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, against the rulers of this dark world. So that's who our battle is against. It's not against people. Uh, uh, Matthew addresses it. He talks about Jesus' temptations. Mark, you have the Gardarene demoniac, which is, wow, what a, scare, what a story. In fact, uh, we had a great... Donna didn't mention anything about the Harvest Festival. Great Harvest Festival. 
Um, had over 50 kids. It was just a lot of fun. And I had some neighborhood kids. I've got a little, I don't want to call it a house church, but I got these, these, this family that I go over and I tell Bible stories to. And uh, they were here Friday night. And, and the little guy came up to me, he's seven years old. He, Rick, 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 can you come over to our house again and tell a story? I said, yeah. And he said, uh, could you tell a scary story? I said, yeah, I could. I was thinking, yeah, I got one. He says, yeah, can you tell the one about the guy with the 2,000 demons in him? I said, it's actually more like 6,000. Legion of demons. I go, yeah, you remember that story? He remembered the story. So I'm going to plan on going over and telling about this story. It's a, it's a great story. I love this story. It's a, I actually, you can dramatize it. It's like, wow. Um, so there's that with the gardening demoniac. There's Luke, there's Luke saying Satan entered Judas when he went to betray Jesus. John called Satan a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. The book of Acts, here's another great story for just, wow, you see the powers of darkness. So there was these seven sons of Sceva, and they were trying to imitate Paul, but they did not actually know Jesus personally, but they were trying to cast these demons out. And the, and the demon said, hey, I know Jesus and Paul I know about, but who are you? And so the demon, working through the man's body, jumped on all seven of those brothers, beat them to a bloody pulp, and they went running out of the house naked. And here's the great thing that happened after that. When the people of the town heard about this, what happened, they all brought their sorcery scrolls and burned them in a bonfire. And the, the value of those, of those scrolls was 50,000 drachmas. You say, what's a drachma? It's a day's wage. 50,000 days wage adds up to five adults working 40 years full time. That's how much those scrolls were worth. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It was worth being free of the evil. They didn't want anything to do with it. So they said, get me out of sorcery. Okay, close that door. That's what they were doing. They were closing that door. Here's another one. Um, if you look at uh, in Peter, he says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. James says, well, Hebrews says, by his death... Jesus, he, he would break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jude, this little tiny letter right before Revelation, this is an interesting thing. This says the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about Moses' body, there was an argument over Moses' body between the angel, archangel Michael and the devil. So every New Testament writer refers to darkness and evil. It's a given. Now, it doesn't just talk about Satan, but it, it, it exposes his tactics. And this is what's really important for us. How does he work? How do you recognize when there's spiritual darkness that work in your life or in your family? Yeah, um, and so let me, let me give you some, some of these. You can write these down if you have those notes. Uh, you can at least write the, the reference down. I already said this, Satan accuses. Okay, that's a real big one. Accusation against you. He just, and that's Revelation 12, 10. When you, know, when you, hear, when you hear that going on in your head, it's like, okay, I need, I need to do something about this. Okay. Um, here's another one. It, he, that the devil also uses false teaching. False teaching is a work of the enemy. 1 Timothy 4, 1 talks about the devil, the demons, using hypocritical liars to, to, to 
spread false teaching. And the false teachers are like people who've had their conscience and seared with a hot iron. So have you ever wondered why are things that are not rooted in anything historical or even in science, why do these false teachings get such traction? Why do people believe these? And why do the people who promote these things, why do they believe in them so strongly that they, they teach them as if they're actually true? And I believe it's because their conscience is like it's, like it's been seared. A lot of times for thought, it's like they totally, absolutely believe this. Okay? And so they can, they can share it so convincingly. Here's another one. Another trick is strongholds. That is arguments and ways of thinking that contradict God's word. There's a pattern of thinking that just like, you know, it, it's against the word of God. You know, there's, a, there's an argument in, in the abortion debate about it's a woman's body. That's true. It is a woman's body. But, but a, a woman doesn't have the right in her body to do away with somebody else's body. There's another thought to add to that. Unforgiveness is, is, a, is a trick of the enemy. I'm going, to hold, I'm going to not forgive this person. There's going to be bitterness. It's going to poison my heart. It's going to poison their life. Actually, Paul talked about this. There was an incident of a man who was sleeping with either his mother or his stepmom. This is weird, huh? 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And the people are like, ha ha, isn't that funny? Isn't that cute? The people in the church, Corinth. Paul says, what are you doing? You need to put that man outside the, the church so that Satan, he can, be, he can be disciplined. Guess what happens? They do it. He is disciplined. Comes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul says, okay, okay, he's been disciplined. Now you need to welcome him back. You need to forgive him. The point isn't just to punish the guy. The point is for him to be restored. And if you, if you, he says, we know Satan's tactics is to hold this man in unforgiveness. That's not the way we roll in the kingdom of God. There needs to be forgiveness delivered to this man. Okay, so that's a big one. Unforgiveness, very damaging. Also deception and lying. Satan is a liar. Um, there's anger. Do not let the sun set on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. How many people's lives have been turned upside down because they rage and anger took over in a moment? You know, road rage on freeways and stuff that people do where they're just so red hot mad. Temptation is another one. Here's a great one for marriage. You know, it says, uh, husbands and wives, be, your bodies don't belong to yourself alone. They belong to your spouse. You need to be sexually active in your marriage. If you decide that you want to pray for a season and step away from sexual activity, great. But come back together again so that Satan will not be able to tempt you. So you can say, I believe this. Sexual intimacy in a marriage is a form of spiritual warfare. You're actually battling the enemy when you're sexually active. Interesting, okay? And then you go on, and what else do we have? We have the occult, drugs, alcohol abuse are also entry points for the enemy. You say, how do you get at that from Scripture? Well, there's a couple of Scriptures. Uh, it's uh, Revelation 9, verse 21, Galatians five twenty. Also, I think it's uh, also Revelation 18, verse 23. There's a word used here for you medical people called pharmakeia. Pharmacy, does that sound familiar? The word we get, medicine, medicinal drugs. The word for sorcery and witchcraft in those verses is pharmakeia, drugs. And that's where I believe the association is, why drugs are so damaging. It is an entry point for the enemy to get inside of people because their mind is now just going. They're actually, you know, neurologically, we know drugs do burn holes in people's brain. I mean, it's damaging brains. And it's damaging behaviors. 
It is so destructive, and so that door needs to be closed. So what's the end game of the Satan in all this? He has all these entry points, you know, from drugs to unforgiveness to, you know, lies and deception and accusation. What's his end game? He wants to kill and destroy you. He hates you. Do you realize that? The devil does not care how cute you are, how nice you are, how cool you are, what your GPA was, whether or not you're the citizen of the year. He, he hates people. He hates human beings who bear the image of God. He wants to ruin your life and he wants to ruin the lives of people around you. He wants to take you and me to hell. And if he can't take us to hell because we come to Christ, then he wants to make us as ineffective as he possibly can to undermine us. And so he will use other tricks and other flaming arrows, as it says in Ephesians 6, to just undo us. And ladies, I want to say ladies to you, he hates you. You're a woman and he wants, you, he wants to take you out. So, so you cannot leave this battle to men. You've got to pick up your sword, ladies, and fight like a princess warrior. Okay? You've got to pick it up. You cannot leave this to, to guys. Um, now here's the good part. Since we know his goal to kill and destroy, and his tactics for doing so, we have a strategy for defeating him, okay? This is very important. What do we do? And not, and not to be afraid, not to be scared. Just to say, we know what he's, we know what he's up to, and so this is what we're going to do. There's a story, and I think it's true. Some people say they're not sure if it's true, but in, in World War II, General George Patton was, was battling uh, General Erwin Rommel of, the Nazi German, of Nazi Germany in Northern Africa in the desert. And, uh, and so Erwin Rommel had written a book about his battle tactics and printed it and published it. George Patton read it. And so while they're on the battlefield, George Patton is counterattacking Erwin Rommel. And they say that George Patton com- called out, Rommel, I read your book. I read your book. And, and because he read his book and knew his tactics, he, he beat Erwin Rommel in Northern Africa. I mean, that's the difference it makes when you know somebody's strategy and tactics. And we know the tactics of the enemy. We have, we have a, a, a battle plan for him. Okay? So here's the, here, let me, these are not all going to apply to you again. It's kind of think about where in your life is this kind of activity going on? And it, it goes on for all of us. You know, it goes on, um, you know, I, I, I used to say things about myself and my wife had to kind of rebuke me. You know, because I'm not, as I've said many times, I'm not good at fixing things. You know, my, my family was, my dad was into sports and music, and that's what we grew up doing. We didn't fix things. We didn't build things. And so when I've tried to learn that as an adult, I've often been a failure, you know. And I would just beat myself up and say, oh, you're so stupid. And I'd say it out loud, and my wife would say, Rick, you need to stop saying that about yourself. And it was like, you know what, she's right. This, I'm... I need to stop saying that. And I just had to change the way I referred to myself. This accusatory thing, just tearing myself down and letting the enemy in and belittling me. So you, you figure out what you need to apply here. But first of all, this one we all need to apply. This is huge. First of all, learn and internalize God's truth. The battle is, first of all, a battle for your mind and for your thoughts. When Jesus was attacked by Satan, what did he do? He quoted the truth. 
mainly from, it was like Deuteronomy 8. You know, Satan comes to him. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. Satan comes to him in the wilderness and says, uh, hey, turn those breads into stone. Jesus quotes scripture. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on the mouth that comes. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, not on bread alone. You know, he quotes him another one. Hey, throw yourself off the temple because the Bible says he'll send his angels and they'll lift you up. So you won't strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus countered with, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test. Satan says, shows him all the nations of the world. He says, bow down to me and I'll give you the whole world, Jesus. And Jesus says, you should worship the Lord your God only. Every time, truth, 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 truth. It's mainly a spiritual battle. And that's where it starts. So think about, you know, building yourself up in God's word and his truth. Read it memorize it, study it with others. I'm, gl- I'm glad that you're here. Man, you went to all the trouble to get here today in a firestorm. Thank you. Uh, the truth enables you to detect counterfeit signs. I was, uh, we were in Vancouver for our, we kind of have a, a 60th birthday celebration. So my wife and I took a train trip up to Vancouver. We, we exchanged our money and uh, I had all this Canadian money in my pocket. And you know, you, you know how the feel of, of normal money <laughs> U.S. dollars. You know, you get a U.S. dollar in there. It feels different than a gum wrapper or, or notepad paper. And so we're up, and I'm walking around. I stick my hands in my pockets. And, um, and I would feel, oh, that's not money. And I, I pull it out. I'm, I'm looking for a trash can to throw it away. And, I, and before I throw it away, oh, man, it's a $50 Canadian bill. Because it just felt different. Why could I detect the difference between that, that a Canadian and, and U.S. because I really knew U.S. money from feeling it all these years. And it's kind of like that. When you, when you expose yourself to the truth over and over and over and over again, you begin to detect what's a lie. You can just, you can smell it. It doesn't pass the sniff test. You know, you go, ah, that sounds funny. You know, every, every false teaching I know of belittles and diminishes Jesus Christ. Everyone puts him down. You can start right there. What do they do with Jesus? So that's the first thing. Learn and internalize God's truth. Number two, deal with your anger. I quoted that earlier. Um, and deal with it promptly. You know, it's like, hey, this, is, this can really be a problem. I need, to, I need to, whatever I need to do to settle this dispute with this person, to step back a little bit, to forgive this, whatever it is to deal with the anger, do that. Uh, number three, resist temptation. Paul said, God won't let you be tempted beyond anything that you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll help you see a way out. So it's like you're, you're walking down in a canyon and you're stuck. And you don't see any way out of that canyon. And it's like, God, how am I going to get out of this canyon? And then help me, help me out. And then all of a sudden he'll point, there's a spot right there. Take that route and it'll get, get you out of here. It's kind of like a, in, in one of the Chronicles of Narnia, one of the kids is, is, is lost and doesn't know how to get out there get out and finally Aslan says right over there there's an escape hatch and so there is an escape hatch with temptation to close the door on temptation ask God to help you with that and show you the way Uh, number four is renounce any occultic activity and I, I I told you a little before before about the seven sons of Sceva you know smash it trash it burn it no matter the cost if you have something 
that's uh, occultic paraphernalia. It could be a lot of things, tarot cards, if you read the horoscope, if you've got Ouija boards. Something with the darkness is like, ah, oh, you need to step away from that. That's an open door to the enemy. And you need just to get rid of it. If, even if it's hard, you may feel, oh, that's tough to get rid of, or somebody will be mad, or it's worth a lot of money. Listen, those people burned five people's full-time careers worth of money when they burn those sorcery scrolls. So just do what you have to do to close that door to the occult. Um, Number five, stop any drug use. And you may need just supernatural help. You may need a 12-step. You may need celebrate recovery. But realize um, that that is an open door for the enemy. To see that there is a connection between drug abuse and darkness. And if you were to ask everybody whose lives have been turned upside down, how many marriages has drug abuse destroyed? How many people's physical health has it destroyed? How many deaths on the freeway has it caused? You know, the stuff, I've read a book on, on legalization of marijuana in Colorado and a guy who's, who used to smoke pot was really into it and now he's fighting against it and he's looking at the damage of what it's doing to the state of Colorado. He's just, he's just fighting the battle. He says, man, it's, I'm fighting against big money. It's millions and millions of dollars for these people. But it's damaging people like crazy. Um, that's, that's what Satan wants to do. Steal, kill, destroy. And that's what's happening. Um, forgive anyone who's hurt you. So, if you have any bitterness in your heart, you just say, Where, am I bitter against somebody? Then, then ask God to help you give the grace to forgive this person, to release them from that. Another one is pray for protection. You know, Jesus tucked it into his Lord's Prayer. Remember at the very end of the Lord's Prayer, he says, and deliver us from evil. I found this prayer so helpful. When my kids started going to school and now your dad or your mom and you can't watch over your kids anymore, what are they going to be exposed to? And who they, you know, what's going to happen? It's like, God, deliver them from evil. Watch over my child. Now I'm praying it for my grandkids. God, deliver them from evil. Deliver them from harm. Watch over them today. And I really believe that God hears that prayer. Also, number eight, renounce any past agreements with Satan. Break any pact or or family pact that, that may have been formed. People do things like this. They're really mad. And they're mad at their boss. And they say, I'm going to get a job where I never have to listen to anybody again. I am never going to submit to anybody. Well, here's the problem with that. The word says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands and wives, submit to each other. So we become in direct defiance of God's word by this agreement we made in our heart that I will never take orders from anybody again as long as I live. That's a bad thing. How did, what, did, what did James say? He said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submission has to be a part of our strategy for dealing with spiritual darkness. And so those agreements had to be made. I knew a guy in a church that I pastored who made a pact with himself. He says, I am never going to dress in nice clothes. He was on the worship team, so when he was asked to dress a little nicer, he just resisted it, and it was war. Well, he had other things going on in his life, and he ended up going to this ministry called Cleansing Stream when he learned about this, and he repented of that agreement, that pact he'd made way back. 
And when he came back from that weekend with cleansing stream, you could see the difference in his eyes. He was a new man. He was just a different man. Something had broken in his life. And then walk in purity, that's the last one. A clean life is a protected life. Satan has no legal right to your soul when it's clean. Um, So, I want you to think about something. The possibilities. Think about living unafraid. And it's a beautiful thing when you don't live in fear. You know, I went out in the neighborhood to invite um, people to our Harvest Festival on, uh, on Wednesday. And I was, I was walking, I was walking in the neighborhood. It, it's really funny what's happened because I've, you know, I used to hate knocking on doors. It was like the worst thing in the world. I hated it. And, and now it's like when it's time to go out, it's like I get to meet people. And I get to invite them to this. And I just, it's just a good time. In fact, I, I, I was so into just having fun just talking to people, when my wife and I had our anniversary this past week, we went to see, uh, went to see Hamilton down in the city. And during intermission, we're, and I'm, I'm just kind of in this, hey, you just want to talk to everybody because I'm not afraid. And uh, right, we see this guy that's standing there, and I look at him. My wife looks, and she thinks, I know him from Santa Rosa. I look at him, I go, no. I, I go, that's Bruce Bochy. And I walk right, hey, are you Bruce Bochy? You know, it's like, I, I thought, and then I didn't know what to say. Once I said Bruce Bochy, you know, well, we had a little conversation. But it's just like, when you're not afraid, it just opens things up for you. And that's the way Jesus wants us to live. He does not want us to live paranoid. Think of the difference it would make to have less drama in your life from drug or alcohol abuse, less friction in your relationships. What if a lot of that was just removed? And you didn't live with that stirred up thing in your soul internally imagine how good it would be to to face darkness with confidence to be free of past entanglements to walk in peace that's what awaits you when you live a life where you're closing the door on darkness you know most of our life we need to be thinking offensively god how can i love how can i serve how can i glorify you what am i made to do what's my purpose in life that's positive activity but that's not all it is. This also needs to be defense. We have to have offense and defense. This is, you know, the spiritual life is more like baseball and basketball than it is football. Because basketball and baseball players play both offense and defense. Football players usually play only either offense or defense. As a, as, as a human being on this planet and as a follower of Christ, we got to do both. And we're talking defense today. Slamming the door and the things that want to get in and mess us up. So... I just want to encourage you to do that, to close those doors. We're going to do a little prayer. Do we have that prayer? Um, so what I'd like us to do, this is something, um, if, uh, you know, it's, it's a prayer of breaking things, cleansing, and shutting the door on darkness. Of course, it's best if you're praying it from your heart, not just a, not just a, a mental exercise. But if there's some things you're like, yeah, you know, I got some things pointed out to me that I want to, I want to close the door on. Then do this. I'd like you to stand. And then after we're done, uh, Donna, I want you to come up. Um, if you would like more prayer about this, there's some particular area in your life you'd like prayer for, Donna will be here to pray with you, okay? So let's, let's pray this. This is our closing prayer today. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I ask that you examine every area of my life 
and put your finger on any area that needs cleansing and forgiveness. I do now ask for your cleansing in every area of my life. I repent of my sin. I believe that you are able to wash me clean by the power of your sacrifice on the cross. I turn now from any agreements I have made with the enemy. I repent from any way that I have cursed authority or God or others, including myself. I ask that you forgive me and cover over all the areas of vulnerability in my life with your grace. Father God, I turn now from any behavior where I've put other things before you. Addictions, distractions, idolatry, depending on anyone or anything other than you. Cover those areas of vulnerability in me with your powerful grace and love. Holy Spirit, I plead now for your protection. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Quicken my heart when things need to be made right between us. Protect me from evil and help me to grow to hear your voice more clearly every day and to obey you. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we do. If you need more prayer, Don is here. But God bless you and be with you. And if, there, if you need lunch, there's food in the back. Yes. <laughs>